turn your attention to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. This is God's word. We are continuing our teachings on the five solas of the Protestant Reformation, if I would call it that. There are a system of theological truths that defines what we surely believe among us. Now, these truths were formulated by Protestants who sought to recapture the doctrines that were lost, mainly by the Roman Catholic Church, and even to a broader extent today, where many so-called evangelicals have departed and are departing from song faith. And it is good that I bring these doctrines to you that you would know what the church here believes and what we teach. There should be no mistake about it. We said in previous studies that the five solars are a unit that are held together. One cannot believe one without the other. And I hope we understand that all of them are, are a unit. We look at some of them. We look at scripture alone. We look at Christ alone in the matter of salvation and Christian living. And we look at faith alone. All are necessary means of grace to sinners. Today we will speak, speak on sola gratia, or salvation by grace alone. You hear a lot of talk about grace. You hear a lot of people say, um, by the grace of God this, by the grace of God that, whatever they mean, I don't know. But when we speak, of grace alone as a means of salvation, we are making a distinction between common grace and special grace. I want you to understand this. What people talk about mainly is common grace. Common grace is bestowed upon all men. You are here this morning, listening, because of common grace. God didn't consume you and me last night. You're here. This, this, this is a, a test to the fact that God has bestowed common grace. 
And the Lord underscored this common grace in Matthew 5, 44 and 45, when he said to us, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he make of his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. This is common grace. And by the way, we can use the rain as a synonym for the gospel rain who comes on the just and the unjust. Let me explain that. Who comes on the save and the unsave? That's common grace, brethren. It says that we may we should do this, that we may be children of our Father who is in heaven. And send of rain on the just and on the unjust. The Apostle Paul echoed this same principle when he was preaching in Acts chapter 14, verse 17. He said, nevertheless, he, God, left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. Not one of you here this morning can say that you were not exposed to common grace. All of us, God is good to his creation. And the songwriter says this. But even those who are sitting among us this day, who are yet uncomforted, receive common grace. We enjoy fruitful seasons whenever the gospel is brought to bear. It's common grace. Some people don't have this privilege. As I often say, many people I know in Africa never heard a message preach. Never heard a message. I remember I went to a funeral in Africa and suddenly I was asked to speak. And after I finished speaking, out of basically memory, some people came up to me and said, Pastor, I never ever heard the gospel explained. Mm. But you are exposed to the gospel day after day after day after day, week after week after week. You should be thankful for common grace. Paul warned the Galatians not to receive the grace of God in vain. It means that you can receive the grace of God in vain. And he had drifted back into Judaism. Jude also spoke about this, 
saying that certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago, long ago were marked out for this condemnation on ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, people can receive common grace and ignore common grace. But there is special grace. This is the grace I'm talking about. Bestowed on the ones who have come to know the Savior. Anyone who is truly saved is saved because of special grace. Irresistible grace. The grace that the song talks about. That draws us. That shows us the cross. A special grace. Have you received that? Don't kid yourself. Some of us like to kid ourselves. So as we open up this a little this morning, this solar, this special grace, special grace comes by God's good pleasure, we are told. And along with special grace comes the ability for us to be obedient. Not, not, not for Mary, by the way. It's an, it's an, it's an obedience that, that is motivated by love. Uh, and therefore we read a familiar passage in Paul's letter to Titus. He says, To the grace of God that bringeth salvation, have appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Along with special grace comes the ability to be obedient to what we read in Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12. Now, we have to be careful with Titus when it speaks about grace appearing to all men because there is a qualifying sentence that follows verse 11 and you should look at that carefully. The all men that this grace appeared to is not everyone who receives common grace. I don't want to confuse you. Had all men received special grace, saving grace, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly loss, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Oh, as Pastor Martin said, I'm sure our brother might remember this. Uh, when grace appears to us, we are enrolled in the school of grace. Special grace. Grace doesn't mean grace plus something else. Otherwise, it would not be grace at all. 
to be more to the point, salvation is not the grace of God plus observing parts of the ceremonial law for Mary. That is not special grace. Maybe common grace, but not special grace. Many in principle teach that salvation is by grace, but in practice they insist on works as a means of grace or for grace. Some say all men need is a little nudge, a little help along the way, a little motivation, but that's not true. Lazarus in John chapter 11 needed more than a little nudge. As a matter of fact, he was stink. He was dead. And that describes man's total inability. He was decaying. So remember this. To understand grace, we must understand what we are by nature. The verse that best defines salvation by grace is, is the text that I've read to you. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, one, grace saves the sinner. Grace doesn't help a sinner get saved. Grace saves the sinner. Mm -hmm. you, you, you say, why do you say that? Because I want to be clear. Grace doesn't help the sinner. He, he, he's not on a path of salvation and then God helps him with grace. Get that out of your mind. Grace saves the sinner, for by grace are ye saved through faith. We have already shown that the faith that we exhibit is the gift of God. And Paul rightly says, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And I like that because he didn't say it is a gift of God. It is the gift of God. Very specific. I have heard some preachers present salvation in a misleading way, and I probably did this in my early Christian days. They would say something like this, and you probably have heard it. They would say, salvation is like someone giving you a gift at Christmas, you know. Salvation is like that. It's all gift wrapped, um, but the gift is only received when we reach out our hands and take the gift. You've heard that, haven't you? You've heard that, haven't you? Yes, you have. This leaves the sinner as the deciding factor in salvation. If he has to reach out and take the gift, it means that salvation depends on him reaching out to take grace. The problem with this theory is that man cannot reach out his hand. Our hands are withered like that man, like, like Jeroboam. 
who reach out his hand and all our hand can reach out and do is mischief. Like Jeroboam wanted to kill the man of God. That's you and that's me. Our hand is not capable of doing any good deed that merits grace. This is a beautiful doctrine. Someone said, grace is like a bulldozer moving a Volkswagen. It wins. It overcomes. Think of the Apostle Paul when he was Saul. That's why he could say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So we need to get the right and proper concept of the Christian gospel and what we believe and what we ought to teach in our church. Grace saves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is necessary because of what was stated in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And if you don't know what Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, you should go back and read it. I read it to you. And you have equipped who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. This is why grace is essential. So brethren, in defining solo gratia, I say grace saves the sinner. Second, grace sanctifies the saints. Grace sanctifies, set apart the saint. Ephesians 2.10 goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. These words are close to Titus 2, 11 and 12. I wouldn't go back there, but we quoted that, and we, you, you, you can look at that. Uh, grace, grace saves a people and makes them zealous of good works. Maybe one of these days I would have to define good works uh, based on the scriptures, but not this, this hour. But those good works are the means of sanctification. God has given us the means whereby we can live holy lives. The verse says that the saints are created. They were created by God and not by the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church creates saints when they're dead. The Lord Jesus creates saints when they're living to do good works. Long ago, in eternity past, God ordained the means that his people should live. It doesn't wait till they die and then decide with a, with a, with a committee. What nonsense is that? If they should be inducted in the hall of fame of saints. No, no. Before God created one stick. 
as far as Ephesians 2, 10 is concerned. God ordained the works. The same grace that saves a person is the same grace that keeps a person. We might think that we are kept by ourselves. It's God's grace that keeps us safe. Peter said in his second letter, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Apparently, God's grace is not only sufficient for salvation. Peter talks about added grace to his people. You know, it, we often read uh, um, the, the, the phrase grace and knowledge. We, we, and Peter, Peter speaks about this a lot um, because it is, it is very hard for you to know grace if you don't have knowledge. Mm. And, and don't expect to read the sitcom, look, look at the sitcoms and read the tabloids mm -hmm. and receive grace. I hope you understand what I'm saying. If grace and knowledge are linked together, it means that you should be looking at something that talk about grace, the word of God. And the way why many are the way they are is because they're not in the scriptures. They're not surrendered and submitted to the scriptures. Grace and knowledge. Peter says, grow in grace and knowledge. Couple the two together. But let me move on quickly. You ever wonder why people go through difficult circumstances without murmuring and complaining? Grace and peace be multiplied. Apparently, God gives added grace for the seasons of those who are his children. And some people go through enormous suffering and are able to be sustained and often encourages us because of sustaining grace sanctifying grace and you know sometimes brother brethren at times it is a delight to go and see people that are suffering because at times instead of you ministering to them they minister to you because of what God is doing in their lives through suffering James 4, 5, and 6 says, Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy, but he giveth more grace? We talk about added grace. We talk about sufficient grace. We talk about growing in grace. James says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Grace enables, when we sing to him, praise the grace whose stripes alarm thee, rouse thee from thy fatal ease. Grace, it's all grace. So grace saves the sinner, but the same grace sanctifies the saint. 
the saved individual. But lastly, grace will ultimately glorify the Savior. All the time, grace glorifies the Savior. And that's the purpose for these doctrines, by the way. Mm. The, these doctrines are meant to glorify the Savior. And that's why they, they, are, they are one unit. Going back to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the verse tells us, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast or brag. The phrase, and not of yourselves, remind us that the sinner cannot share in neither the plan or the process of salvation. Jesus planned salvation. He purchased the sinner. He preserves the saints all by grace. So when you hear people talk about the grace of God and the grace of Christ, uh, they're talking about common grace. They're not talking about special grace. Because any salvation that makes man a contributor to grace is not the salvation of the Bible. So stay clear from anything that shares the glory with Christ. Stay clear from that. As, as we have heard many times, the salvation of God is the salvation from God. Grace ultimately glorifies the Savior. And the Apostle Paul in that beautiful doxology that we love to read, love to hear quote, in Romans chapter 11 says this, for who have known the mind of the Lord? Or who have been his counselor? Or who have first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things whom be glory forever. It's Romans chapter 11, 34 through 36. So in this solo, the fourth one that I've shared with you, it is very important. I made a distinction between common grace and special grace. Um, you may ask the question, how can I know that I have received mm -hmm. special grace? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Mm -hmm. The only place I can send you back to it's Titus chapter 2, 11 and 12. It's the grace of God teaching you to deny these things. It's the grace of God causing you to be looking for Christ's return. It's the grace of God doing these things to you. Uh, we should look at these things carefully before we throw around this word grace. It is a very important subject. It's really the battleground for reformers and for great men of the faith, how sinners are justified. It's, it's, it's a doctrine that we should teach and it's a doctrine that we should encourage. Here people talk about the doctrines of grace. 
when they talk about the doctrines of grace, they, what practically they're talking about is the five points of Calvinism. Uh, but it is it is it's beyond that, as our brother wrote. Um, it, it's beyond that, beyond the five points. Grace enables us to live. Grace sustains us when we are going through suffering. Grace helps us. So as I would encourage you with the words of Peter, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Peter ends with a doxology, to whom be glory, just like Paul ends with a doxology. So as we go into our second session by going to prayer, let me conclude with prayer. Our Father, we pray you help us to understand what grace really means and help us to live as though we believe that it is your grace that saves us.